Hello, my name is Sarah and this is The Suplex. gentlemen and welcome to what is our first full episode of the suplex podcast thank you very much for giving up your time to come and listen to this podcast um i really do appreciate it and i hope you enjoy the interview which will be coming up uh, very shortly for you now this interview is with a northern based wrestler in the uk by the name of big t justice and he is a legit seven foot tall um, and a absolute diamond character. So I'm not going to keep talking for much longer on this. Sit back, relax and enjoy this podcast with Big T Justice. So today's episode of this podcast, The Suplex, as it is uh, now being officially tagged, um, is with Big T Justice. T, it's been far Hello. too long. How are you doing, my dear? It has been a while. It has been a minute. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good, my friend. I am good. So what have you been up to? How are you feeling with everything that's been going on? Obviously, pandemic gimmick. Um, how's it, how, how are you in, in with all of this? Well, it's a gimmick that just won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm doing okay. I mean, I work um, outside of wrestling. I work, in, I work as a, I work with a bank. So I'm um, classed as a key worker, even before that. Um, so I started working for the bank back in May. Even mm-hmm. before that, I worked uh, with Legal Aid as a team manager. So I was also classed as a key worker then. So since this pandemic has started, I've just been working constantly. So I've not been furloughed. Um, thank God I've not been unemployed. Uh, I've just been working throughout. But of course, missing the gym, missing wrestling, missing seeing, you know, all my friends and family. So just trying to survive the best way I can, to be fair. We don't really have much of a choice. Mm. To give the storylines run too long, man. It needs to, it needs to be over. Oh, indeed. A story, it needs to have a happy ending at the end of it. 100%. 100%. So in terms of, like, you mentioned that, obviously, you've been working all the way through the pandemic. How have you been finding it? Like, so obviously, have you had to, have you been working remotely? Have you been, um, have you had to physically go out to work or... Yeah, so I've still had to, I've still had to physically go, I've still had to physically go out to an office mm. um, when it comes to working. So when the pan, so when it was first locked down, uh, my the place I was working at before legally, the office wasn't too far from where I was living, so it was literally a 10, 15 minute walk. So I didn't have to worry or have any concerns about getting on public transport because I just walked to work, and mm-hmm. it was quiet. Um, the place I was working at at the time, they were making sure like lots of safety checks were happening, but it was still, I'm sure, pretty new for a lot of places. So, mm. of course, we were doing safety checks, but because the pandemic was quite new, I think a lot of places were just like, are we doing this well? How are we managing it? And then, you know, I was working as a team manager. So, of course, I had to deal with lots of staff concerns. And then, of course, we had people self-isolating, um, you know. So I remember being told, receiving calls from people saying, I have to self-isolate. And then we had people within our management team having to self-isolate as well. So it came to the point where it left me as the only manager, you know, kind of like running things, uh, which mm. was, it was kind of, it was, it was one of those where it was quite stressful, but 
I understand, you know, it's one of those like, I kind of understood the reasons why. So um, we started to work from home, but by that time, I started my new job uh, working with the bank, and lots of people were working remotely, and lots of people were working from home as well. So the majority of my stuff has been traveling to the office. So I've had to go out and drive, um, mm. drive to the office, which, to be fair, hasn't been bad. It's still been busy on the roads, but it's one of those where lots of people don't have a choice i think what people seem to forget and one of the things that people keep criticizing about is when people are saying oh why is there so much traffic and stuff like that i think people need to remember is that there are a load of key workers out there so key workers it's not just you know emergency services Mm. people who work for um, the police you know nhs staff um you know firefighters and retails and that you know key workers are from all parts of different walks of life so everybody essentially has to work and not everybody can work from home like some places you know luckily in most corporate places if you you know they have the option to work from home but some places are a case of where you need either go into work or you don't get paid or you don't have a job so it's one of those where people don't really don't have a job but they have to physically go out to work to earn a living so you can't physically criticize. So you can't really criticize somebody for going out to work because not everybody gets the, you know, has the option to be furloughed. There are some jobs that are cash in hand that mm. don't, that can't be furloughed. So you know, it's easy to criticize someone saying, "Oh, it's bit, you know, you're traveling and stuff." But some people need to earn a living. They need to pay for mortgages, bills, rent. They need to put food in their family's mouths, in their own mouths, so they don't really have much of a choice but for me it's been you know it's been it's been fine you know I'm still going out there working and you know being a key worker in this pandemic (laughs) oh good fair play to you fella fair play to you you know like in the day it's like fair play to all the all the key workers out there because like I'm very lucky I have to say my job has been very good to me we've been we had to give up our office in in July so we had no choice Mm -hmm. we were all working from home um And I, I found an old calendar the other day, which was my last day in the office. And it was like the 17th of March. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't crossed anything off. I said I wasn't going to cross anything off on this calendar until I was back in the office. And that calendar is now in the bin because it just didn't happen, did it? So, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> we, we, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, we'll be back in April. We'll be fine. No, 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 no. Next April, maybe. But we'll see how we go. But no, it's 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 I've been very lucky. I've worked again like you. I've worked all the way through, but I've been in my four walls of my back of my back room do you know what I mean it's yes. been you know I've been very very blessed with that you know and like fair play to anyone who is a key worker going out there keeping this country running at the end of the day with everything that's exactly. been going on yeah 100 percent. so T obviously I know you as this big seven foot burly giant that is big T justice who I'm gonna completely ruin your gimmick here give some of the best hugs in the, in the British wrestling scene. And, oh, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> and those who don't know me particularly or are still learning me, it's quite hilarious because T's seven foot and I'm barely five foot. So every yeah. time we get together, there's like, oi, can you give us a couple of feet here, please, mate? You know, it's... it's <laughs> but, but Man, seriously, give us, give us a couple. You know, it's, it, it's, it's very much like that. But I have to ask, Obviously, how did you get into wrestling? Like, what was the thing, the bug? I know everyone probably asked this, but like, how did you get into this weird and wonderful, wacky world that is wrestling? 
Yeah. Well, it's um, to sound very generic and basic, it's always it's a case where I've been, you know, a fan for such a long time. Mm. When I first started watching wrestling, um, you know, me and my mom come from a single parent family. Um, it was just me and my mom. Um, we had channels um, one to five. So I was able to watch WCW on Channel 5, on Channel five uh, I remember Friday nights, uh, Nitro. And then Channel 4, they would do Sunday Night Heat. So sometimes I'd stay up late and watch Sunday Night Heat. And then um, we moved house. This is when I was still living in London. We moved house. And then we were able to get access to a bit of cable. So I was able to get Sky 1. I was able to watch SmackDown. Nice. Um, you know, it was. I remember it being The Simpsons, at 10.30 on a Saturday and then 11 o'clock, it was, <laughs> it was smacked down. Um, but I didn't have Sky Sports, so I was, it, well, I was only able to mainly watch Raw when they showed it on Livewire at the time and then it turned mm. into the bottom line. And then luckily my cousins were huge wrestling fans as well. So I'd go to their house and they had Sky. So they had, they had Sky Box Office, Sky Sports. So I was able to watch Raw and pay-per-views there. And they also had um, the wrestling channel as well. So that was, I think it was channel 427, I think. So I was able to watch the wrestling channel. I actually remember seeing some of the, I remember seeing some of the British um, wrestling promotions um, there as well. So I remember watching some of that. I remember watching a match with um, Jody Flash and Johnny Storm, but this was like so many years ago. I remember watching it and I remember seeing like, oh, it's based in Britain. I'm like, oh, I didn't know there was anything based um, in Britain. And then it was about 2000 and um 2012 there was a there was remember there was a pcw show i remember mm-hmm. going um because I, I i had moved to manchester i moved up north at this point and i remember going to a pcw show and it was literally the first british show i've ever been to and i thought okay let me just go to the show it's in the uk um and i remember i think it was angelina love who was on the show at the time and i was a fan of hers so i thought okay let me go to the show see what it's like and then I remember watching it and live. I was like, where has this been my whole life? <laughs> like, why have I not been to any British shows, of course, beforehand? And then a few months later, I went to another PCW show. It was a Super Show weekend. It's, mm-hmm. when, they had, um, it's when they had the Steiner Brothers, they had Lita, they had Sean Benjamin, they had Goldust. I remember what, and I remember going there. I think it was on a Friday, and it was so busy, so packed, like I could barely find a seat. And I remember watching it, and I was like, "I really have to get involved in this. Like, this is something that I really, really enjoy." Awesome. And then it was in November, same year, to, it was November two thousand thirteen. Holly came over for a PCW seminar, and then um, I thought, "Okay, let me go to this and see. Let me at least go to a seminar and see what it's like." Um, so it's my opportunity to get involved in the ring and of course see what it's like and then we're doing some basics and then I remember doing a couple we did a couple of drills um, and I thought okay this is now what I want to do so in January um, my friend who because I I was in university studying at the time so I worked Mm -hmm. a part-time job and someone who worked in my department did a bit of wrestling as well so um, he took me to a unit that he goes to called RWL. They're known as Yarders, um, as mm. the key phrase is. But they had a, they had a rest they had a wrestling ring. They had a safe working wrestling ring, and then we just did like I just did basic stuff. So like hitting the ropes, learning how to bump, and just the just the look, just the basics. And then I, a few months later, I went to train the Future Shop in Manchester. So train, so train there. For, so train there um, for a while. Learned quite a lot, and that was more of an established training school. Um, 
so I was able to get a bit more credibility training there. And then I went to train at the PCW Academy because I I was just I was just doing shows on Future Shock, just managing, but I'd move, I'd finish, I'd graduate, I'd finish university. So I had to move. Mm. Um, so traveling would have been so basically, I'll just give I'll give a little background when it comes to traveling. Um, I lived in Blackburn at this point when I was training at Future Shock. And Future Shock's all the way in Manchester. So I'd finish university and I'd travel. So I'd have lecture. My lectures would finish about four, half four-ish. And I'd get in a train to go to Manchester. And it was during rush hour at this point. So it'd take me about an hour and a half to get there. Um, and then by the time that we finished training, so training was at half seven to half nine. Um, so by, by the time I'd get back home to Blackburn, it'd sometimes be about half 11 or midnight at this point. I'd have lectures like literally like the next day. Mm. So it was, so when I had finished university, um, I went, I went to PCW because I had to move because I was in a student accommodation, got a new job and training would it literally take me about 30 minutes to travel to training. And it was more yeah. foreseeable. Like it was literally more foreseeable because literally in my life, most during life when it comes to traveling and stuff, it's always, I've always had to travel. It's usually taking me so long to get to places. So training at PCW was so foreseeable. Um, so I was training there. I was still valeting at this point. So I was still managing. And then I had my first professional wrestling match in January, 2016. And mm. yeah. And yep, been wrestling ever since. Been wrestling, doing matches ever since that point. That's great. That is great. See, the, see, people who don't necessarily um, know you, T, is like, every time I turn around at a show, I I could be in London, I could be in Nottingham, I could be Manchester. I turn around and there's Big T. Like, and there I, am. I have to. <laughs> uh, there he is. There he is. Uh, it's it's like end of the day. Like you're saying about the traveling and like you have to travel to get these opportunities. You could like the end, end of the day, um, mm-hmm. introduce yourself network. You know what I mean? And you do that very, very well. Like it's, it's a big credit to you as a person, Thanks. as a wrestler. Um, I think yeah. even it's not, until, well, I've only just had a car. I only just got my car in September last year. Mm. Other the times than that, when it comes to networking, I'd either, try and get a lift with people if they had space. But the most of the time I'd be traveling off my own back. So getting trains and coaches, you know what I mean? Paying for it myself. There'd be times I'd probably hire a van a couple of times just so I can travel. Sometimes if the shows were quite some way away, but you know, at the end of the day, I can't depend, you know, I can't really depend on anyone to get me booked. Mm. You know, I've never been that person. I'd rather get booked. Like it helps having, you know, of course, somebody, some, 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 some of the main guys and girls, like help you put that through for the door. But I can't depend on them. I can't be like, oh, you know what? You know, this mate, this person who wrestles all over is my best friend. They're gonna, they can get me on shows and stuff. Like, no, I can't depend on that. You know, it's gotta be, I've got to depend on myself and I've got to do the work myself, of course, to get those opportunities because mm. it's my career at the end of the day, you know. I have to work for it. Mm. How are you feeling at the moment with obviously with the way the wrestling scene is? Well, there is no wrestling scene at the moment because everybody's no one can wrestle because of the pandemic. But obviously in the time that we've um, been away or in forced break, we've had quite a few things come out and changes. How do you feel, obviously, off the back of speaking out first and then we'll move into um, the everything that happened with Black Lives Matter as well? 
Um, so firstly, how, how do you feel with what's happened with speaking out and what do you feel um, needs to change? I mean, speaking out movement, it was uh, it was quite. I think it was it came out. It was during the weekend. I think I think it came out on a Friday, Friday afternoon, Friday mm. evening. I think, and then it was throughout the weekend. Um, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I couldn't mm. sleep properly. I couldn't sleep properly throughout the weekend. Like I'm actually glad that I wasn't working because I probably wouldn't have been. You know, my mind would have just been on like what's come out. So seeing some of the things that's come out, it was very shocking, very disappointing, and very eye opening. You know, and it's all credit to the guys and girls who have told their stories, you know, about, you know, about the about the alleged stuff that's happened. And the reason why I said it's alleged is because, you know, how do I say this? How can I say this? So um, this is me put this is me putting my uh this is me putting my legal my uh legal my legal hat on. Um, I, I was know, about to say you got um if those who don't know your background your degree it, you've got a legal degree so therefore you're very well suited to advise on this shall we say? <laughs> yeah. So my um yeah so my so yes yeah, so I've got uh I've got a bachelor's and I've got a master's degree in law so you know the reason why I say alleged is because of the fact that you know and the alleged accusers is because of the fact that you know it's not been through as far as I'm aware it's not been through like a court of law and stuff hence the reason why I say you know alleged and stuff but when these stories came out it was a case of where you know I remember seeing some of the stuff that happened and I was I, I was shocked you know and fair play to the guys and girls who have mentioned stuff that's happened. And it's been, it was really, I want to say upsetting because some people mentioned their stories and they've been around these people at the same time as well. Like for me, if there's someone who I don't like or I don't really care for, unless I, unless I absolutely have to, I don't want to be in their space. Mm. So unless I absolutely have to, I don't want to be in their space. But some of these people are telling their story and they've said they've been around these people ever since. I think to myself, wow, that is the stuff that I don't like them for is very minor compared to what these people have gone through. So they're heroes, in my personal opinion, you know. And I remember, and I remember, I remember, I remember tweeting as soon as some of the stories came out. I remember tweeting saying, you know, I really don't want, I really don't want to be part of the scene anymore. And some of the people were responding to me, me saying, "Oh no, you know, oh no, you need to stay and stuff like that." And I felt, and I felt, I felt really, I felt really selfish. Because people were reaching out to me and I'm like, no, no, that's not the reason why I said that at all. Like, I don't even want to reach out to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about me. It's about these people. So people need to reach out to them. And I remember tweeting saying, you know, it was really selfish for me to tweet that because I didn't want to make it about me. This is about them. You know, everyone who's gone through what they've gone through in wrestling. So, you know, it's good that people it's really good that that got mentioned because even like some of the wrestlers i think biggie bailey and i think mickey james tweeted something about the speaking out movement as well mm. so it had such an impact the things which i the things which i didn't like is i felt like and i remember seeing this some people were making burner accounts as an excuse yeah. to make to say stuff about people who they didn't like for the sake of it, if that makes sense. So let's mm. say, for example, if someone didn't like someone because they looked at them the wrong way, they used the speaking out movement as an excuse to say, oh, this person did this. And I'm like, no, that's not the purpose of it. You know what I mean? The purpose of it isn't to make up stories because you don't like somebody. You know what I mean? Because it takes it away 
from the real purpose of it, if that makes sense. Mm, 100%. So I remember just seeing that. And I I couldn't even even sleep properly. I remember trying to sleep. And then my mind would just be on, like, what's happened and stuff, you Mm. know? Um, And I really, really, really give credit to everyone who's gone through stuff and physically, emotionally, and mentally has stayed strong as much as they can. Because mm. it's sometimes really it's, it's sometimes really difficult when you go through stuff and then you have to be in the same room as somebody and no one has an idea of what's going on, you know. Sometimes you have to interact with said person and they've done something to you and it's like, what the hell? So mm. you know, it's definitely something that needs to be addressed because there there are you know there are there are issues in the scenes that need to there are issues in the scenes that need to be addressed. And, you know, it's not only just wrestlers. I mean, even, like, for me, like, I remember seeing that stuff. It made me really think about, it made, it made me really think about me and how I come across to people as well with regard to what I say, what I do, my tone, my actions, just how, if I'm approachable or not. And just in general, it made me really think about stuff thinking, oh, my goodness, what if I've said something to somebody and they've taken it the wrong way? What if I've mm. done something and I've taken it the wrong way? So it's given me a chance to at least look at how I present myself and think, okay, I really need to think about, you know, how I'm coming across to people as well. So it's all about taking that accountability as well. But promoters also promoters need to do the same, you know, as well. So there were so many promoters who were saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you no, 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 you're not. And the reason why I say this is because of the fact that I'm sure lots of promoters wanted to look as if they were supporting people to get those extra likes, get those extra retweets, to get people to get people quote tweeting saying, "Oh my goodness, this promotion is doing this and stuff like that." Because in a moment such as that, where everybody's vulnerable, people want to see who's offering that protection. So if there's promoters looking like they're offering that security blanket, security blanket, sorry by saying, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Everyone's going to, oh, these guys are going to do this. When shows are back on, let's make sure we pay tickets for them. Let's give them that extra money in their pockets and stuff like that. Because it's a business at the end of the day, as harsh as that mm. kind of sounds, you know, a lot of the a lot of people see this just as a business. They're like, okay, I need to put money in my pockets first. And then I can think about everything else afterwards. In my own personal, that's how, in my personal opinion, you know, I mean, I could be wrong and it could be a case like all the promoters could have really good intentions and that could just be, you know, very cynical. But it's up to promoters to take accountability because it's the same as being in a, it's the same as being in a workplace. You know, mm. lots of other workplaces, from my experience, where I've been in, they have things such as risk assessments, you know, sensibilities training, training about sexual harassment, diversity and equality training and things like that as well. Lots mm. of corporate, lots of workplaces have that sort of training. So, you know, promoters need to take that accountability because it is a workplace, you know, whether it's wrestlers, camera people, announcers, commentators, first aiders, cleaners, they're all there doing a job and they're getting, they're getting paid for it. Well, well, they're getting paid, well, well I, I say paid, but, you know, but they're there, to, they're there to do a job at the end of the day. So they, it is a workplace and it needs to be treated as such. You know, there's loads of things that are very quite informal and stuff. And it's, it's still, I'm still, it's only just, it's kind of difficult. Like you go, I go into wrestling, things are quite formal. And then I go back to my workplace where everything's quite strict. Everything's quite formal. And as a former team manager, it's also my job to make sure that, well, when I was a team manager, that everything is so set in stone, the rules are being followed. And if the rules aren't being followed, if someone breaks a rule, it was my job to make sure that consequences, of course, are being delivered. And I don't know if that's the same. Like, I don't know if promoters are 
delivering consequences if you know something isn't right you know what i mean mm. and i think also promoters need to realize that if their top guys and girls have done the wrong thing there needs to be consequences you know what i mean no matter mm. how much revenue they're bringing in no matter how much business they're getting in, no matter how much you know the promoter brown knows is to set performance if they've done the wrong thing there needs to be consequences because in my own personal opinion if it was trainees as it were and i'm using quotation marks if it was a trainee that had done something probably wrong something very little had done something even if it was like a little little thing a promoter wouldn't hesitate to say okay you know what you're off, you're not working for me anymore bye mm. or you're off this show you know what i mean so the standards need to remain the same for absolutely everybody so I think what promoters need to do is that if they're going to have things such as, you know, disclosures, code of conduct, it should be something that they put together themselves. Don't just copy and paste it from a corporate places, from a corporate's, you know, code of conduct policy, because it just means that you're not taking the, you're not taking the time to put effort into it. You know what I mean? And, you know, have disclosures and things, make sure that everyone's being protected and stuff. You know, for some promotions, it might be easier than others because some promotions have got the financial capability to do this, that, and the other. But some are quite relatively small, so it might be a bit more difficult for them. But as long as people are doing stuff to make sure that everyone's being kept safe. Like, mm. I'd say one of the main ones for me that I mentioned was things such as first aiders. That's, that's a, that is a major, that's a major, that's a major one for me. You know, mm. because we're all risking our lives, you know, regardless of how long someone's been doing this for, regardless if someone's wrestling for 15 years, 10 years, a year, a few months, every wrestler who steps in that ring is putting their body at the risk. Even if even, even if they're there for a spot, as it were, they're still putting their lives at risk, you know, because there are a lot of wrestlers like myself who are not full time. We've got jobs outside. You know, so if I was to, God forbid, get injured while doing a show, depending on how serious my, depending on how serious it would be, I could potentially work maybe. Or mm. if I don't work, I'm not getting, I'm not getting an income. So what? So it's, it'll be difficult for me, and I've got rent, and I'm sorry, not rent. I've got my mortgage, you know, to pay for and stuff like that as well. So why should it be a case of where a promoter takes a shortcut? And not have a first aider, a first aider that could potentially save somebody's life, save somebody's life. You know, yeah, I mean, agree. yeah, I mean, there's places I've been to where there's always been, there's been a first aider there straight away. You know, and yeah, it's gonna cost, it's gonna cost money, but shouldn't everyone's safety be a priority? Mm, so. mm. No, I completely agree. You do. I completely agree. Do you feel it, I, the the best way I can sum it up, really, for in in my opinion, is basically we need to start putting the professional back into professional wrestling. It's mm-hmm. it's a business at the end of the day. Like um, I, I've I've always treated it, or I've always, I felt I've always treated it as a as a business. Um, mm-hmm. I turn up, I do my job, get paid, and then I go home. I, I'm not necessarily saying about not going out partying or not going mm-hmm. out um, doing whatever. Um, I've always sort of seen it as as um, as professional business. It was my it is my side business. Do you know what I mean? All legal or above board. I pay mm-hmm. my taxes I, on that income. Um, it's maybe there's it, an education is needed across everybody to treat it the same and mm-hmm. to push those out who don't maybe treat it or respect it in the same same light. Promoters, wrestlers, 
trainees, camera people, whomever it may be. Um, it's not, it, maybe it's a bit too easy for certain for people to get into. I don't know, but yeah, maybe checks and balances you know, a bit more. You know, it's kind, it's kind, it's kind of interesting that you said that because I, I, I had, I had, I had a discussion with uh, a couple of the wrestlers um, who I spoke to earlier this week about things such as how easy it kind of is, um, of course, to get onto shows and things like that. Like when I started, one of the things that was made known to me is that oh, you're such a, um, oh, you're such, you're such, a, you're such a, you know, you're such a, you're so different to everyone else. You're so tall and stuff, and you know, you'll be getting onto shows like that. You'll be fine and stuff. So part of me kind of had that kind of mindset because I was so, because I was so new, you know. But if anything was the case, it, it was it was it was harder for me. I didn't get, I, you know, I was managing, but doing matches and stuff like that. It took me, you know, I was doing I was doing shows in. Um, Started doing shows in, I was training in 2014, uh, start 2014, did shows in around about summer 2015. And then I had my proper first professional match in in January 2016. And then it was, I only did match bit by bit. But it made it, but for me to wrestle at the place where I trained that, it was 10 times harder because, mm. because of my size, I was always considered a danger because I was so different to everybody else. Whereas sometimes now, some people, all they have to do is put on like, you know, wrestling gear, trunks, kick pads and wrist tape. And it's a promise be like, oh yeah, I'll put you on the show. And I'm like, yeah. I think to myself, <laughs> I think to myself okay, <laughs> that's fairly soon. And the thing is, it's not even down to, the thing some people pick training up very quickly. Mm. Some people pick training and it depends. Some people pick stuff up a bit slower than others, but some people pick stuff up really quickly and can perform really well very quickly. So if somebody does perform quite well very quickly and of course is training and working towards it, then of course, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting them on the shows and stuff. But it depends on this case of where as long as someone can do the bare minimal, they get put on shows very quickly. I'm like, mm, okay. Mm, yeah. But, you're right. There are other people who don't respect it because some promoters make it really, really easy. And the thing is, if it's made easy, and if it's not Jordan's done the respect of it, like how are the how are they supposed to respect it? And promoters, promoters can say, I want to say they can say, well, they can't. Though they should, they should, they should say no. But I feel as if that people need to save money. I get it and stuff. But why would you bring somebody on who doesn't respect the business? especially if it's so easy, but sometimes it's a case of where if they can save money, because of course in general, you want to save money, you know, mm. I can get, I get that. And in most things in life, you do want to save money. But for me, it's like you get what you pay for or you get what you don't pay for. So if someone's mm. giving you something for free and if that product is seen deemed as faulty or not working, are you going to complain? No, because you did, it's not money out of your pocket and stuff. So, mm. It's a case of where if someone is not respecting it, especially if someone's quite new, the promoters need to take the person aside and be like, look, this is my show, respect it. These are the rules that we have in place. If you don't respect it, then don't work for me. Mm, that's, mm. The way, that's, the way, that's the way, you know, that's the way it should be. Because for us, you know, this is your show. This is your promotion. Take some control over it. If people are acting up, tell them off, <laughs> you know, mm. It's your show, not theirs. You know what I mean? The show's coming up. You're the one paying the wrestlers, you know, the staff, the camera people, the commentators, the first aiders, the venue, 
food and stuff like that. The money's coming out of your pocket. So you should so if somebody is not treating it right, tell them off or don't book them again. Do but you, um do you yes. feel that maybe um there's a little bit too much because there's something I there's one thing I did read on um like obviously in all the speaking out stuff. Do you think that maybe even a promoter's a promoter thinks that their responsibility only starts and ends maybe necessarily at well, my show is I need everybody to be at my show at 12 o'clock and they're out at 12 o'clock at midnight and whatever happens between the hours of 12 midnight the following day until my next show is not my problem mm-hmm. anymore. Do you think maybe promoters need to think maybe a little bit more responsibility of, well, if Joe Bloggs, say, for example, is my headline act and he acts up, he needs to, said promoter to say, look, dude, you're on a headline for me what the hell are you doing, doing, I've heard you've done this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Like, why are you being like this? Why are you acting like this? Um, yeah. Do you I think there needs to be a bit more of ownership in, in, in that sense? Like, I think it than- also, I, yeah, I think it, I think it also, I think it, I think it, it depends as well on what said issue is because yes, of course, like if some promoters feel like, you know, my show starts at 12, finishes at six, my responsibility only lies within that. If some of them think like that, I kind of get where they're coming from. But depending on what happens outside of the show, so in most workplaces, as well that I've been around, they also kind of say, whatever you do outside, if it's going to affect where you work, if it's going to offend our company, then it's going to be an issue. So if you know, so let's say if, if said so let's say if Joe Bloggs does something outside the show that could potentially affect the company itself and probably jeopardize it that i do feel like com- some promoters do need promoters do need to kind of like step in and find out what's going on and probably like address certain things but like mm-hmm. i said it all it all depends on what said issues if it's something that's kind of minor something that's minor that won't really affect the show per se then it probably don't need to get involved if it's something that's potentially going to affect the show and probably you know put potential others at risk especially if it's going to affect the fans as well, then, yeah, I think promoters mm. should, should step out, you know, even if the show's not on and find out what's going on and address it and probably see if there's anything that needs to be done so the show's unaffected because it could affect other wrestlers and it could affect fans and anybody else who's working for said show as well. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so, you, so, obviously, you've made your debut sort of 2016, um mm-hmm. that your proper formal debut shall i say yes and by 2017 someone's stepping into a wwe ring in manchester arena having a tryout <laughs> how did yeah. that happen <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what 20 i would uh, you know i always say this that 2017 has literally as it was literally been i'd say my favorite year in wrestling even though it was like my second year doing shows so of course, you know, I wasn't that polished. I'm still learning stuff now. It was my favorite year because I got to learn and travel. I used to, I was able to travel to places quite a bit. Bearing in mind during that year, even though I was traveling to shows. So I remember there's an IPW show that we there was an IPW show that we did. Um I'm just trying to think who headlined. I think it was I think Chris I think Chris Hero and Johnny Kidd were on an IPW show. Um, in Brock's Kent, bomb. I think it was. Yeah, Roxbourne. And I remember being on that show, I remember managing. And I remember I had my laptop with me because I was doing my assignment 
So bearing in mind during that year, I used to carry my laptop with me a lot because I still had to do studying and do mm. lots of assignments. So I remember um, I received an email. It was about August time. And I was traveling in London for work. And also, well, I was traveling for work, but also I had a show. Um, it was the same show. I remember it was on a Sunday. It was the same show when it was me, uh, Mark Lloyd, the banker, and Cuban Heat versus Dalton Castle, Jody Flash, and Johnny Storm. Um, it was at, I think it was at Rochester, I think it was. That's so the one. Was, mm. So I remember when when I got back to when I got back to my hotel, I remember I received an email. Um, you know, invited me to a WWE tryout. And I remember I had a can of Pepsi and I had a kebab in the other hand. And I was like, oh my God, is this legit? So I asked a couple of I asked a couple of people who have had tryouts. I was like, look, is this legit? They said, yeah, it's legit. So I put I threw that food away and I was like, right, okay, I need to get I need to get myself, I need to get myself into shape. I remember um leading up to it. I was very, very strict of what I was eating. I was literally working out a lot. Um, Ashton Smith, um, who was my, who was our trainer, um, literally one of the best trainers, one of the best rest of this country's ever seen. Um, he was on a tryout, and then we remember he was having us do warm ups before training, and I remember just pushing myself so much during the tryout, and I still couldn't believe like I was able to get a W tryout. So it was in Manchester. I remember after the first day, I remember we were watching Raw. Then I remember getting a message just from people saying, you're on the WWE website. I'm like, what? And then there was a picture of a few of us on the website. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so seeing the response that people got, the response that people were giving was really good. Um, mm. The train, the trial itself, uh, it was quite intense. Um, we had uh, Robbie Brookside, William Regal, uh, Johnny Saint uh, there as well. It was good because definitely learned a lot there. I was able to push myself there. And the people itself, I always say that's actually, it was actually a good group to be around because everyone was pushing each other. Like, yeah, it's, and then, you know, the, the opportunities there, you know, you got to look out for yourself. But everybody, everybody there was on, everybody there was like looking out for each other, which was really mm. good. That's nice. It's good to hear. Um, so h- how, like, I-, I have to ask, have you heard anything further from them since? Did you give any good feedback for things to work on? Or, like, um, what's the next steps? Like, if someone's come knocking at your door tomorrow, say, hey, would you like come come join us at NXT UK, for example? Or um, what, what would be your thoughts and opinions on that now? Yeah, I mean, um, they definitely gave me some good feedback. You know, they gave me some really critical feedback, which is really good. Um, as well, I mean, they gave me some positive stuff as well, um, which is good. You know, I always, I always be grateful for that experience because there's so many, there's so many, we have so many wrestlers on the scene, and even like lots of non-wrestlers as well who are involved in the tryout. So I was very fortunate to say to have had a tryout. You know, it's one of those where, you know, if it came knocking on my door, I'd certainly look into it and stuff. But there's certainly lots of things that I'd like to do before you know, before going down to NXT or mm. WWE as such. So I'd like to do a bit more, I said I'd like to do a bit more traveling, but I'm kind of kind of restricted with, uh, <laughs> with uh, it's not even just a pandemic, but also Brexit as well. So that's going to make life, that's made life a bit more difficult. One of my goals was to have been to go to Japan. Like I would mm. love to go to Japan because, you know, I've got friends who have wrestled in Japan 
and when they've come back from there, there's it's like their whole their style was completely changed for the yeah. better. So I definitely feel like if I go there, I definitely would learn a lot because there isn't a load of massive big guys in the UK. You know, in Japan, mm. they've got bigger guys and the style is so different. And I definitely want to go there. I mean, I know if I was to go there, it would be hard. It would be difficult. Yeah. But, you know, I think the discipline would do me good mm-hmm. to learn about that style. And I definitely feel like I definitely learn a lot. And I feel like I'd come back a whole different wrestler. Plus the culture is, it's so, it's so different. They're, they're very strict. Or they're very strict on respect, you yeah. know respecting your colleagues just respecting your whole atmosphere and that's definitely something that I'd like to learn a bit more about you know you know so like in here in the UK we have football we have cricket but in the in Japan they have wrestling and I just love how strict and how how much pride they take in that you know mm. and you know I'd like to take pride in myself as a wrestler but over there they take pride to a whole new level and I'd love to learn more I'd love to learn so much more there mm. I would, so I, I'm not going to pigeonhole you in particular, but if you could pick any any promotion in Japan to work for, what who would it be? Hmm. I'd love to work. I'd love to work for New Japan. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a case of where there's so much work I'd need to do, but mm. that's one place I'd I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to wrestle for. You know, so before even considering, before even considering going to WWE and stuff, you know, there's so much things that I'd want to do. I'd like to learn so much more about myself as a wrestler. I'd like to get my skills. I'd like to put my skills together before mm. even considering before even considering going to WWE. But you know, you know, it's a one day. Wrestling's an education. At the end of the day, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, with that in mind, that answers sort of my question. A uh, question I had, sort of, like you mentioned in sort of with the speaking out bit about you were thinking about I'm not coming back to wrestling but mm-hmm. it sounds to me a little bit maybe time has healed that wound a little bit you would would you consider coming back are you going to come back as things stand um, if well happen well I mean there's there's one of the points um I was thinking I was just thinking because when it comes to wrestling you know, there's lots of people in my situation who work, who aren't full-time wrestlers who work, or they're studying, or they mm-hmm. have family responsibilities. So wrestling's kind of like, they do it on the side, but the passion is still there. So mm-hmm. it has been good to the fact that it's been good that I haven't had to rush out of work to get to a show or to get to training, or I haven't had to take annual leave or time off just so I can help out or rest on the show. So that's been, that's been good. That's been good, you know, and, you know, I would, you know, I would consider, I would consider wrestling again, but I wouldn't be, cause I used to be a case of like, oh, I want to wrestle as many places as possible. I want to wrestle for this yeah. place, this place, this place, this place. Now I'm like, if I'm going to come back, there's only certain places. Even if it's just one place I work at, even if there's just one place that I work at, then I'd be fine with that. So and there's some places where I've said to myself, as long as they get things in order, so as long as they get things and they change, make some serious changes, then I'd probably consider working for them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd want to wrestle again in the UK, but it all depends on where. You know, it's yeah. just a case I can be very, very picky with. I'd be very picky, you know, 
with where I work. And it's if the place that I want, place I want to work for still want me to work for them. So it all depends. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. Um, okay. So I am going to ask you about a topic, um, yep. which is uh, the, the, the big topic. Um, mm-hmm. And I want this, I, I, I am, as people know, white female, you know, uh, person. Um, I want to talk to you about Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, mm-hmm. And I want you to educate me on this. Now, obviously, because there's so much that's been out there online. Um, I know that, obviously, what happened with George Floyd and what intensified in the States and then has obviously come over to here. I want mm-hmm. you to tell me and our listeners about the true meaning behind the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, speak to me as if I'm a child. I know it sounds really stupid, but yeah, um, I, a child, I just basically give me the facts about um, about what is going on um, to those who maybe have seen, heard and seen a lot of misinformation as well out there. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, the stuff, of course, of course, the stuff that happened with, you know, George Floyd, um, it was uh, it, 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 it was it, 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 it was it was it was it was really it was really intense. It was really, it was really intense. To, it was really intense to say the least. So, because of the fact that it was all on video, it's not one of those news reports that you just hear about. It's a case of where it was filmed, and that's what's happened with racism. It's not decreased. It's just a case of like it's being, it's just being filmed for the world to see. Um, so I remember watching that and then thinking, not again. You know, every single time something like that's happened, I always keep thinking to myself, okay, what's going to happen next? When is it gonna ha- when is it gonna happen? So the Black Lives Matter movement is it's a it's a, it's a, it's a social movement that's there to you know protest against racially motivated violence against you know black people whether that's by whether that's by as many with to do with police but other things of course that has happened as well. There's been quite a history with of course the Black Lives Matter movement with the fact that they've been associated as being a political a political movement and how there's a fact of where they've caused murders and deaths that's what other people have said when it comes to black lives matter movement so i kind of think to myself okay what seems to be the message that you're seeing with the black lives matter movement what the media is showing a lot is a lot of like the riots that are happening with that so of course with things such as george floyd george floyd being killed and then of course there's brianna taylor then there's trayvon martin um a youth who in 2012 um was killed um what's happening is that there's been lots of people who are protesting but that's also leading to rioting as well and i don't condone smashing up somebody's shop, smashing up somebody's home. But I understand why people, I get why, I get why people are doing it because there's been protests going on for years, absolute protests going on for years mm. and there doesn't seem to be any changes as well. I think one of the most funniest thing I remember one of the most funniest things that somebody posted was about Martin Luther King saying, oh, Martin Luther King, was pro- why can't you guys? Why can't people protest like Martin Luther King? And I'm like, you do realize that when he protested, he was assaulted a lot, and people mm-hmm. who protest and people, other people protested as well during that time were assaulted and killed. 
So it's like, do you know your do you do you know do you know your history and stuff? Yeah. And it's one of those where like there's some people who are who there's some people who don't know. And I say to people, you know, this isn't this isn't really direct to you, so I'll try not to take this personally. I always say to people like, look, Google is your best friend checking stuff but it's like when people throw out stuff saying like oh why can't you protest peacefully and stuff i think to myself have you watched the news like do you know do you know do you know your history like Mm. peaceful protests Mm. have happened for years and people have made speeches about the movement about what we need to happen moving forward about the changes you know what i mean um I think it, I think it was I think it was LeBron James who was talking about stuff such as systematic racism, and one of the reporters, news reporters, and more, news reporters told him told him they should just shut up and dribble, and it's like, oh wow, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, I think I think he was discussing about or an on a different topic, but it's a case of where a topic like this gets discussed, and some people don't want to talk about because they feel like there isn't a problem, or they feel like, okay, mm. you know what? Yeah, yeah, this is bad, and then that's it. And then you don't want to elaborate on even more. So I think because of with it being a pandemic and with the George Floyd death escalating and it being, mm-hmm. you know, shown all over the world. And with this pandemic where people didn't have many things to do apart from working, people do almost didn't have a choice but to discuss it, which is good. So it opened up people's eyes about what's going on and stuff. So I was very, me, you know, me and a few others have been very, very vocal about and all this other stuff that's going on. And then we'd get people, I'd get people messaging me saying, um, look, do you mind just send, telling me some stuff to read, some links to read and stuff about mm. some stuff that happened? So I would share stuff like, so I sent people a few links about the movement, what petitions to sign, um, stuff about the George Floyd thing in a bit more detail. Also a story about Sans, uh, Sandra Bland, um, a woman who was pulled over for a traffic stop. She got brought into a police station and then she, and then she died in the police mm. station. It's, been, it's happened back in 2013 and it's still something that doesn't sit right with me. Because they showed them, um, they took a picture of a mug mugshot, but medical reports were saying that when they took a picture of a mugshot, that she was dead at that point. And it never, it never sat right with me that something about that story it never sat right with me. And then there was this story with Stephen Lawrence as well. Um, I remember being a kid when that happened, and then we learned about it in school. And then during when I was studying, when we were studying a bit about criminal, I think when we were studying a thing about it was either criminal law or tort law. I remember watching a documentary about his death and how the police were, how when the police, when his friend called, when Stephen Lawrence's friend called the police, the police took, they delayed, they delayed getting somebody out there. And I think they arrested Stephen Lawrence's friend because they thought he was in connection with it. Mm. And I think, and I just think to myself, that's just absolutely, that's appalling. That's horrible. And then, you know, other stuff that happens in the UK is things such as the stop and, you know, stop and search, you know, the figures increasing for black and different minorities who are being stopped and searched more than, you know, white individuals as well. Mm. So I remember discussing that as well. And lots of people were bringing that up as well, because it's something that's happened for years and years. So Seeing the protests, it was good. It put a smile on my face. I kind of wish that I kind of went to the protests because mm-hmm. you'd see people from all different backgrounds and different races coming together for the Black Lives Matter um, movement. So when people are saying, oh, the Black Lives Matter movement is racist, it's this, that, and the other, I think to myself, okay, have a look at the protest. People from different protests, different f- people from different backgrounds are coming together to protest. 
surely if if it was if the movement was racist surely if a white person came up came over to join the protest surely they would have been jumped and assaulted by black people saying no 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 you can't join in this movement you can't protest against racial injustice uh, 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 but that didn't happen no. Like you look at the protests in London and Manchester, people from different backgrounds are coming together to, you know, discuss racial injustice and to protest against it. So, but unfortunately, some people don't get it. I think because they see the word black lives, instantly they're like, oh, you guys mean only black lives matter. And it's like, no, that's not what we're saying. That's not what people are saying. What people are mm. saying is that black lives matter as well. Every single life matters. But society doesn't view it that way. The black lives are the ones that are in jeopardy that are being mistreated at the moment. That's the point. So when mm-hmm. people are saying, oh, all lives matter, and it's like, okay, who said they didn't matter? Since we're, we're in which part of the Black Lives Matter protest has someone said black lives matters, black lives matter only? You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like trying to educate people on that. It was, it's been, I'd see stuff online that would literally, I think to myself, okay, you're, we're, it's like you don't want to learn or you're refusing to listen or you just don't want to accept the fact there's a problem. I think it's a case of where because some people haven't seen it as a problem, some people either don't want technology or they just cannot be bothered to. You yeah. know? So some people told me that they live in some areas where there's only white people in the area and there's probably one or two ethnic minorities. So mm-hmm. they may mm-hmm. not have seen it. And I can't really, if, some, if, you, if no, someone's not been exposed to it, you know, you can't really give them crap and be like, oh my God, I can't believe you've never seen something racist in your area. That's so selfish. You know what I mean? You can't give mm-hmm. someone crap for that. But what you can criticize someone is saying is that if they've never seen it, it's if they said it, it doesn't exist. So just because you yeah. haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Lots of things have happened that I haven't witnessed before that I've not been a part of, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I think that was the thing for me telling people is that just because you haven't seen it or you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that it does not exist at all. Mm-mm. No, 100%. I completely agree with that. Like, I, where I am, obviously, in the suburbs, I should say, pretty much, especially when I was growing up, you know, I'd be honest with you, I've not seen a lot of it. I've heard of mm-hmm. things, of, of, of racist things. Um also got to remember um back to the like to these 70s 80s like it's like i've sort of my family's seen a different type of racism because my mum's mm-hmm. irish so back in yes. obviously the 70s as those who don't know obviously the ira and people be blowing london up and the whole troubles that were going on in northern ireland um it was no blacks no irish on on pub doors you could if you're mm-hmm. irish you're, or you're black you weren't allowed into a pub um my dad, when he used to go see um, my mum from Ireland, every time he got came in, he was stopped. He was searched. Now, you know, that was because they were frightened of people bombing in there. And every time he was stopped. So although I know it exists in the sense I've pers- obviously I've not personally seen racism myself. I obviously I'm I'm white, you know, I've not had that. Um, but I'll bring that back to what what things like if you give me an example if you feel happy to share it of something that's happened to you personally today. Give give our listeners an example of maybe racism that they wouldn't think is racist, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um oh, I'm just trying to think. 
Um, of course, there's things such as saying, you know, if, of course, there's things such as saying, you know, racial terms, you know, hmm. the same thing such as the N word, for example, or, you know, that's something that keeps coming up. That's something that's been discussed a lot, the N word and the, and the use of the N word. Um, I, I, I don't use the word at all. No. Me. And the word effect, and the and the and the word affects me, you know. And it does. It's sometimes it's a case of like how it's used. You know, people say, "Oh, it's all about the tone and how you use it and stuff." And I'm like, "But the word still has malicious intent behind it." Like black people say it to each other as a term of endearment at times to take away from the maliciousness of where the word comes from. But black people still use it geography to each other. You know what I mean? Mm. So for me, it's like, I w- and the thing is. And it doesn't have to be so. When I say black, it doesn't have to be somebody who's got black skin like I do. There are people who are lighter than I am, who are black, or there might be some people who are white, but their parents, grandparents, or generations come are Afro Caribbean, and 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 it, ha- mm. and it happens. So for me, it's a case of where if a non-black person says it, for me, it's like my God is already up. So I'm like, why are you why are you saying that word? And I might be like, oh no, I'm just saying it as part of a song. I'm saying because of this. And for me, it's like people are like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. And it's like, well, how do I know that? Just because you're singing it as part of a song, how do I know part of you isn't trying to be malicious? Or if you're trying to say it as a term endearment, how do I not know that part of you is trying to say it in a, in a derogatory way? Because I can't read what's in your mind. I don't know what your intentions are behind said word. And because the word doesn't affect that individual, they're not hurting themselves, if that makes sense. Mm. So for me, it's like, let's say if I was going to call another black person young word and I meant it malicious, in, in essence, I'm kind of insulting myself potentially in a way because the word yeah. also affects me as well, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I'd probably, I'd say like to people who are not black, just don't use the word. You know what I mean? Just don't, just avoid it. Even if it's part of a song, you can still mute, you can still prevent yourself from saying certain things in songs. Some lyrics in songs are absolutely unbelievable, but you wouldn't want to shout it out. You know what I mean? And it's funny when some people say, oh, it's funny when non-Black people tell us Black people when to be offended by said word, you know? Mm. And the thing is, if someone says, oh, the N-word isn't offensive, I think to myself, okay, I saw this on, I saw this on Facebook the other day where someone said, um, a, a non-black person said, oh, you know, the N-word, it's not really that much of a big deal. And for me, it's like, the fact that you've typed in the N-word and not the word itself, Yeah, that should speak, that should speak volume to the fact that the word is not okay. If you thought that word is okay, then you would have typed the word in full. But the not fact just that you've typed the N-word, in, yeah. Exactly. So the fact that you've typed in the N-word, that should speak volumes. And mm. it's just a case of, um, you know, stereo- stereotyping, Assuming things, you know, it's just coming up with just coming up with just coming up with ignorant stuff. Like I've heard things such as, um, you know, I'm just kind of speaking about things such as personally. It's like people saying stuff like, "Oh, you know, wow, from you know, you're 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 very well spoken. You're very educated and sounding surprised by it." And I'm like, "Why does that surprise you?" Or saying things, oh, you know, for a black guy, oh, some black, some black women have had this. Or for a black woman, for a black woman or a black man, you're quite cute, you're quite attractive. Things mm. such as things such as that, it's very ignorant and it's got racial connotations behind it. You know what the way I, the way I see it. You know, there's videos out there of videos out there that say um, what you shouldn't say to black people, and it's it's true. It's true because it's like it's a stuff that 
people come across like people touching our hairs for example or you know asking us oh do you know where you can get any drugs from and stuff like that or making stereotypical assumptions you know saying stuff like such as oh you're from this oh you're from this place you must know this person stuff like that or, oh can you speak english and things like that and it's like mm. i was born in this country oh, this yeah, is just, yeah. oh go, go back to where you come from it's like well i was born london. in london so yeah. <laughs> you know i could just go back to london but the journey is a pain so i'd rather not i'm <laughs> I'd, I'd rather i'd rather stay i'd rather just stay here yeah, I'd say, right, mate. just stuff, just making <laughs> just making any statements that potentially could be that has racial connotations behind it is not okay, mm. you know. And sometimes people don't. Some some people don't know because they've never been called out. They've never been called out for it. Mm. You know, I kind of think to myself, people it should be at age now where they just know the basics. You know yeah. what I mean? They just know the basics. What's okay to say? What's not okay to say? And it's you know. There shouldn't be any more. There shouldn't be any. There shouldn't be any excuses, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, like, you know, like it, it's it's people are getting. If it's stuff such as kids and teenagers, they're learning, they learn as they're growing up. But for people who are adults, it's like, okay, you you are an adult now. Like, don't yeah. stop 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 with the excuses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's 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 very very fair, and obviously, I'd encourage everybody listening to. You know, have a look, look up the, the Black Lives Matter movement, look at what it stands for. I saw um, a wonderful uh, picture on the on the protests, which was um, we're not saying that only Black Lives Matter. We're saying that all lives matter. We just need our uh, Black Lives to matter a bit more than they do at the moment. And, yeah, you know, exactly. it was it is that is the fundamentals. At the end of the day, we are all one race. We are the human race. Um, and we need to look after each other, especially with everything that's been going on in the world at the moment. We're all the same. Um, and this, as horrible as it sounds, this virus has proven that we are all one and we are all the same and that we, it doesn't discriminate. <laughs> as horrible as that sounds, it doesn't discriminate. Um, it's true. And the thing is, and the thing is, though, like what the movement, people in the movement have said is like, we want to be treated as equals. Mm. We want equality, not revenge equality mm, and mm. i think the thought of, and i think the thought of equality scares a lot of people yeah. especially when it comes to things such as you know more opportunities in the workplace um so you know more senior roles provided to more people of color um tv adverts i mean you've seen it now you've probably seen it now but more adverts are featuring people of color now um mm-hmm. which has ticked off a lot of people <laughs> but you know mm. it's, it's it's on them if they feel if they're if they're upset with the fact of seeing a person of color on tv adverts it's a personal problem it's a personal problem if they're offended by it um more representation in wrestling especially especially british wrestling British mm. right especially British wrestling, like enough promotions now, they don't have enough representation when it comes to British wrestling. From what I've seen in America, a lot of places try and push it, you know what I mean, just to show that wrestling is exclusive to everybody. But in British wrestling, it doesn't happen, mm. doesn't happen a lot. And I'm not even saying it has to be me, you know what I mean? I mean, there's other wrestlers who should be pushed more and who could represent others very well, but some British places, they're happy with just using the same people over and over and over again. Yeah. So. Well, I know that um, Rory, uh, Big Wavy, he did that um, show um, recently. Oh, one of my was... good friends, one of my good friends, Big Wavy. 
Mm. Yeah, we we we've been communicating quite a lot during this whole thing, just talking because um, we, we we did the we did the Instagram live chats um, during yeah. the summer as well, um, talking about some stuff we've experienced, just some of the experiences that we had, you know, and just talking about that more. So someone who I've spoken to a lot, you know, during this pandemic. Um, yeah, and I remember that show that we did, the um, the the racist show as it was called. <laughs> Yeah, there were there were loads of there were loads of people, even some wrestlers who didn't like the fact that we did that show. Um, I remember I did I remember I did a show the next day. Um, a couple of the wrestlers were asking me how it was. They were like, "Oh, how was the show?" So it talked about how it was good, you know, the positives and all that stuff. And I remember mm. one of the wrestlers was piping up and saying, "Well, I don't think it's right because of this, that, and the other." And I was like, mm, "Okay," and I was just talking about the fact that. So they say, oh, when you guys point it out, it just shows that you're pointing out the issue. And I'm like, okay, so are you annoyed at the fact that we did this show? Are you annoyed at the fact that there's an issue and stuff? You know what yeah. I mean? So, so many people weren't happy about it. But for me, it's like, if you're not happy, if you, if you don't think we should be doing it, why don't you ask us why we're doing it and maybe see what changes need to, need to be made so the problem can be solved? You know what I mean? Mm. Why not look for us? Why not look for a solution? But yeah. No, it's it's, it's it seemed a good, a very good show. Like I saw some of the, oh, the, it was. the talent that was on that, and it was just like wow, yeah. you know. It, it it was it was it was it was fantastic. And the thing is, the audiences came from different backgrounds. You know what I mean? So it's not as if like we did the show and we said, okay, audiences, it can only be black people only. If we had did that, then I'd get why people would have been mm. a, bit, a bit annoyed if we was, if we said no. In order to watch the show, you have to be black only. But there was different audiences from different backgrounds. You know, there was a, a woman who came. Um, she said that she's got two black sons, um, and it was the first wrestling show, and they really enjoyed it because it was represented well. You know mm. what I mean? And it's stuff like that that helps because it opens up, you know, a whole different fan base for people to watch British wrestling in general, not just shows that feature just black people it gives them the opportunity to look at different shows to look at all different types of representation. So people of color, um, you know, people from the LGBT community, people who may have disabilities for wrestling, you know, um, as well. And, you know, just mm. different with people with different values and different beliefs as well. So it opens up a whole different avenue of wrestling, but some people don't see it like that. No, no. Well, cool it's definitely been an education for me which is good which is i always like to learn i always read oh, a yeah, book i always like to learn so no thank you for that t so i really do appreciate that um so moving on i think we're going towards the end of our wonderful journey of uh having a chat <laughs> which has been too long <laughs> big t memes now oh, for those memes. obviously who ain't gonna see the video of this potentially <laughs> this was all done on the zoom call and T comes into this meeting as Jackie Weaver, right? <laughs> Those who don't know Jackie Weaver, look her up. She's become an internet sensation overnight after a council meeting in sleepy, sleepy England. Um, <laughs> this is T on a daily basis on his Facebook. So how did the big T memes come about? Um, to be fair, it's it all it all started it started on my birthday. Um, for those who don't know, I don't like cats. Um, I think they're the scum, I think they're the scum of the earth. No offense, Sarah, if you like cats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then um I get I get I got a few inboxes from people saying happy birthday. I got a few inboxes. So I saw the notifications. I was getting like about 10 inboxes. I thought, okay, I'm gonna get some birthday messages. Maybe some people are gonna send me like discount links or maybe send me links saying they've paid me money and stuff. Uh <laughs> I didn't get that. 
Instead, I got happy birthday in a picture of a cat. <laughs> After I got that on the message, I thought, okay, someone's, so- I was like, someone's messing around here. Um, so what happened was uh, one of my friends, um, Isaiah Quinn, uh, mm-hmm. who wrestles up north, who's a really good performer and he's got such a good character. He, he, he's very, whenever, whenever I, did, I talk about my disdain for cats, he's very combative about it because he's got a cat who he absolutely loves. So he put a status together, um, not including me in it, just saying to people, oh, it's my birthday and how everyone should send me a message with a picture of a cat. And I kind of had a feeling it was him. So I put a meme together of a meme of showing my Facebook inbox and me having a smile on my face. And then me opening the inbox and seeing it's a picture of cats and then me <laughs> being upset. So I got such a good reaction from that. And I thought, okay, you know what? Let me just run with this and just do this a couple of times. Um, mm. So yeah, that's what I've done since just memes of like everyday stuff, stuff that I've gone through, relatable stuff. And it's been quite random, you know? So some people, so, you know, so it's had some reactions, you know, some people said they liked it. Some people said that it's made their day and stuff. So mm. for me, it's just something different that puts, if it puts a smile on someone's face, especially with all the stuff that's going on, then, you know, of course, you know, why not? And I I, I did one for, like, mental health day and stuff, just, mm. you know, saying to people, you know, they're loved, you know, don't be afraid to speak to anybody, keep on fighting the good fight, stuff like that, you know? So if it makes, if it could put a smile on one person's face, then I'm happy with it, you know what I mean? And it takes, yeah. it keeps me it keeps me busy as well. So that's how the memes came about. So the one with the Jackie, the one with the Jackie Reaper one, um, <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed um, I enjoyed doing that one um, and it's just funny because it's like it makes me laugh because it's stuff that I'm sure that people can relate to when it comes to kicking someone out of a meeting so like if you're in a meeting and you even want to leave or you want to kick somebody out you know there's all types of scenarios where you just want to leave a meeting so if you're in a meeting that could have been done on an email you're like email yeah yeah <laughs> or if it's a meeting of where like someone's acting up it's like okay I'm the chairman I'm kicking you out I think that's what made me laugh when it was like, you have you have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. And then they said, oh. she just kicked him out. <laughs> that made me laugh because she just, it was a shot of her just clicking on something and then she kicked him out. I think that's that's what made me laugh the most, especially. Oh. I watched him, I was watching The Last Leg last night and um, they actually brought Jackie Weaver onto the show. As in, they brought her on a Zoom call onto the show. Oh my god, it was hilarious! So check that out. It's on oh, Channel Four. Go last leg. Yeah, that's really really funny. Um, but yeah, no bless. It was it was uh, <laughs> it it. I I felt I think everybody was Jackie Weaver at some point in Definitely. the uh in in Zoom calls at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh dear. Well, T, thank you so much for your time. Before oh, you no, go, thank you for having me. put yeah, put your um chill yourself put your handles out there for the world to follow yeah um i so um my my oh God, my instagram is big t just this one uh the same with my twitter as well um also if you choose guys just search black lives matter movement and just look at the movements and stuff look at the petitions as well um stuff search to racial injustice just have a look at some articles about what's happened over the years as well uh, i'd say also look at mental health groups as well because i know during this mm-hmm. pandemic it's been quite it's been hard for people it's been quite hard for people i've seen the fact that people have taken their lives as well which is really sad because a lot of people are by themselves so i'd say reach out to friends family talk to somebody if you are feeling like you can't cope um respect each other's spaces so wear a mask you know mm-hmm. wear a mask unless you're medically exempt from doing so because we can't 
wear masks because of medical reasons, but sanitize and keep your distance and just respect everyone's space and respect everyone in general. 100%. T, thank you so much for your time. We might see if we can get oh, some of those welcome. links together and stick them in, yes. the, in the show notes as well for people to have a read, have a, have a look up, and obviously what else can we say? Look after each other and respect each other. Indeed. That's excellent. Excellent way to end. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Take care of yourself. So what about that, ladies and gentlemen? That was, I don't know about anybody else here, a very insightful chat with uh, T. Now, I obviously, with everything that's been going on, had questions myself and been doubting some of the things that I'd been seeing on Facebook and on the internet because, as you know, a lot of people take everything on the internet as gospel. And it was nice to actually be able to sit down and talk to T um, one-on-one about the Black Lives Matter movement and everything else that's really been going on in the world at the moment, like um, with COVID and obviously with speaking out movement. I think we're getting there as, as a group. I think we're all learning. This has been a year of growth, I think, for everybody, big or small. You might not think it at the moment, but trust me, I think, the world is coming a better place for it and everything that's that's happening. Um, and yeah, Jackie Weaver. That's all I can say about that. So I'm going to wrap this up for this episode of The Suplex. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Click on the links in the old introduction here. Follow us on the old so- social media platforms, Suplex Pod. And we are the same on all platforms. If you like what you hear, we are available on a platform called Kofi or Coffee, um, where you can send us a little tip on there and it would be most grateful. Again, we'll stick the links to that and to the various bits about Black Lives Matter that we discussed in the podcast in the intro notes. Thank you very much for your time. I'll be back with the next episode of The Suplex. Suplex.